Welcome to Nizat Minute, I'm your host Darren, and uh, this week my guest is going to be Ali Brady. Uh, we are starting off with minute number 76, which goes from, uh, I don't know, an hour and 35 to an hour 35, 59. Um, it's the best, the best five minutes, Darren. Yes, um, and this minute starts with the end of Ransom's speech from the previous minute, where he has set Martyr up. Uh, we didn't know he was setting her up in the previous minute, but now we find out. Uh, he says, because two, I know line makes you puke because uh, of that Mafia game last 4th of July. Um, and this is where Anna Diarmas looks extremely nervous at this. Um, and it goes through some kind of discussion about, you know, what he's uh, he's going to do. Um, and then we jump back to the Thromby estate, uh, which is I will talk about, you know, what's going on in there. But it looks it's 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 kind of uh, it's everything's by like fireplace and it looks it looks really cozy. Uh, but everyone's yelling and shouting. Because they're not happy with the will, obviously. Um, and, and they're, they're Richard, trying their best well, to work out of it. Yes, this is it. Richard and Linda are trying to kind of figure out a way to do it. And we finished with, you know, they're kind of talking about unsoundness. And Alan, played by Frank Oz, says, not legally, um, you know, you not liking a thing doesn't speak to the testamentary capacity, <laughs> which is a wonderful phrase. And that's where our minute finishes. Uh, so Ollie, uh, any first thoughts about this minute? Uh, you know, we've got, we've got a great five minutes coming this week. Um, but, you know, we start off obviously with, uh, Chris Evans sweater. Um, That's, it's beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful sweater. Yeah. Or, or jumper, obviously, as we would say. I mean, I, I don't know why I'm deferring to the American words, but, uh, uh, Darren, I've been, I've been listening along to the podcast and, uh, <laughs> I think it's, it's about time that somebody, um, just comes out and says what we've all been thinking in and that is that ryan johnson ruined star wars um, <laughs> it needs to be addressed um that yes this is a really good movie but i forgot his name i literally genuinely forgot <laughs> luke skywalker's name because i was in such a hurry to do this bit but my luke skywalker he would never do that darn so just to put it out there ruin star wars and if anybody doesn't realize i'm joking I'm joking. <laughs> I think the Last Jedi is a great movie, yeah. but yeah, um, yeah, I, I genuinely love this little segment of the movie because intentionally, I watched just this five minutes. Okay, I haven't seen Knives Out since I saw Knives Out, so I saw it, which is obviously a really stupid statement to make, but I saw it in the cinema and then I saw it when it came out on DVD. Yeah. Do you remember DVDs? Like actually, like having a physical copy of something in your hand. Um, but I watched it and I loved it. Loved it both times. And then once I agreed to do this, I said, right, I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to chuck in at that five-minute period. And absolutely everything I need to know about every character in the movie is contained within this five minutes. Yeah. So Chris Evans is charming. Chris Evans is the bad guy, possibly. <laughs> Anna de Armas is beautiful and sweet. The entire Thromby family are bad. Even the ones that are trying to be good 
are bad. Yeah. And Benoit Blanc is cool. I love him. Yeah. Well, let's not talk too much about the rest of the thrombies um, or Benoit Blanc until we get to those No, minutes. not yet, until we get Let's there. limit ourselves first to Ransom, and obviously without spoiling anything, because, you know, um, people seem to feel like uh, I say no. I Obviously... Uh, to, to kind of pull back the curtain a little, I am the person who is producing this podcast and editing it. <gasps> I know uh, it's going to come as a surprise to some people, but uh, I, t- I, I direct the hosts not to spoil stuff c- that's coming up, and a lot of in them, the future, yeah, a lot of them think it's because somebody is watching this film minute by minute. When in truth, <laughs> it is because I know, <laughs> I know that hosts of minute by minute podcasts will have a hen- have a tendency to review the film every single minute if they don't focus every on what's in front of them. Yeah, so. That is the reason why I, I tell that to my host. It's just talk about the minute that's in front of you. And in this particular minute, like the way that obviously, you know, we've had the build up where Ransom was like ordered the food, but then ordered the empty bowl as like a setup without without, you know, really saying anything about it. He just he just says to the waitress, bring an empty bowl and it's on the table. And then obviously we get like kind of the whole thing where he's like, you know, you know, I know that lying makes you puke, something which obviously we've established a few times within the film anyway. Um, and then, of course, he says, I know you just ate a full plate of sausage and baked beans. And Chris Evans actually does this in a, like, a very noticeable, like, kind of... Accent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's the, the way he says, you know, sausage and baked beans. It sounds like he's kind sausage of... Sausage and baked beans. Yeah, it's a, it's a... That's probably really where I only really noticed his, his kind of attempt at uh, this kind of North, Southern North accent, Eastern yeah. accent. And so, the the, the obviously, then, he, like, he, <laughs> we kind of get a shot of the plate, which has, like, uh, four little triangles of toast. And obviously, an empty space where the sausage and baked beans were. Um, so, but I like that because it's you know, Ransom obviously had set this up, and I like how quickly he's kind of just painted off here by pushing the empty bowl towards her, like as if to say, if you try and lie, throw you're up in getting that. it in here yeah. in public. Yeah, I have a question for you, Darren. Yes. So obviously, you're English, and as people can tell from my dulcet tones, I'm Irish. Um, so sausage and baked beans is really common for us like you know break out the hands a yeah. couple of little bangers i was genuinely shocked to see it mentioned in an american movie set in the i i, I get it hines are probably an american company and it's in the northwest um or northeast yes yeah, it's northeast. In the northeast new england so they're they would have a lot of european relations and, and ancestry but yeah it's just a very un-american food <laughs> yeah and especially like it's not i mean I, what i like as well is uh, they didn't kind of go for like any kind of cultural stereotypes, so it's not like Anna Diarmas's character refried is, beans. Yeah, yeah, it's like eating any kind of like um, you know Southern American foods uh, because obviously we don't know where she actually comes from because nobody in the family does, and they keep saying that she's from <laughs> different places. So there's no like Colombian food or Ecuadorian food or Paraguayan food or like they don't go for that. They go for like the kind of New Englander food, and I think that's kind of an interesting choice to be like you know. Yeah, like sausage and baked beans, like particularly baked beans, just that phrase. That's not anything that you hear very, very yeah, often from an is, American. So it's very us. Yeah, no, well, this is it. Not only that, but over here you can buy baked beans with sausages already in them. Uh, yeah. So, you know, it, it just it does have to work for you guys. Get it. <laughs> yeah. So uh, so I do find that kind of interesting. Um, but also uh, I also what I also like is uh, in the script, there's direction where where it says, uh, she looks down at her empty plate. Oh no! He pushes a large empty bowl in front of her. Like the little <laughs> oh no in the stage direction, I think is quite is quite funny. Uh, and there's a and interestingly, and she plays it very well. Like her facial expression. Oh yeah. When he says, "I know you can't lie," is yeah, like a 
just for the folks at home, I just made a facial expression. The, well, the, the, the script says her lip quivers, and that is exactly what it does, you know. And it's like she's about to cry, and obviously she realizes the situation she's in. In the original script, there is a thing where he says, tell me what happened to my granddad. But obviously in the film, he actually says grandfather. Um, mm. And I think maybe that's because um, Meg refers to her granddad. And I think they're trying to give you a little bit of a distinct, like the the way the different ways they refer to to Harlan is obviously an indication, kind of maybe of their closeness, um, you know. And I I I don't know. I think it's funny because up until this point, obviously we've had very little ransom. To be honest with you, he doesn't enter until the mid until like the hour mark. <laughs> That's like when he makes and, his. And then he disappears as well. Like he yeah. he's in and then he's gone. Yeah, and, and he's and you know we don't get to see. Well, like he's the only one who isn't questioned about the night. We don't really get to see. You know what happened. We get to see him leaving from the perspective of other people. Um, so it's kind of interesting that you know, up to this point, I guess we're on his side. Like because this is a, a family full of like people who have basically been living off of Harlan's wealth Grand for all these years. years yeah. yeah, and and all of them tell themselves the lie that they're self-made. Um, and that they, you know, like they, they built it up themselves and all this kind of stuff. And, it, and literally none of them did, uh, which is obviously, you know, the kind of, you know, the kind of satirical edge that's in this film is literally everybody saying, oh, you know, like a, I'm a self-made person when they definitely are not. Um, and yeah, it, it comes into play in the, the fifth one of the, the, the five we're going to talk about this yeah, week. Yeah, yeah. Um, with Catherine Langford's character, but we'll talk about that when we get to it. Mm. But it, it it's really driven home how little she has thought about what's actually going on until her mom has that brief conversation with her. Yeah. And then you can see it dawn on her face and then, well, we'll, we'll get yeah. there when we get. Yeah. But I, I, so it's, so in the script as well, Martha was meant to say, you bastard and then say, please don't turn me in. But she doesn't, she just says you asshole. And that's, she doesn't say, please don't turn me in. So there's a little, you know, there's a little bit of a change. I guess it makes it more natural the way as well that he says grandfather instead of granddad. Like, you know, there's just little things like that. Uh, but yeah, so up until this point, you're like, Ransom seems like the one decent thrombi because he doesn't pretend. Like, he knows he's been living off his granddad's money and he yeah. knows he's been cut out of the will. So when they go to the will reading, he's like, he's got nothing to lose. That's why he's constantly, like, arguing with everybody and, you know, because he sees them for who they are. And, you know, I think as the audience, you're like on his side. And then he does this to Marta and you're like, Okay, what's you know, and I think this is although a... in fairness, yes, even as he does it, that's one of the beauties of the casting in this is it's Captain America, so and he's so casual about it, he puts the ball in front of him. And I know you can't lie because we played Mafia last year and I remember what happened. And it's Chris Evans doing that as opposed to Ollie Brady doing that, and it does come across as is he flirting with me? Is he flirting with me through the screen, Darren? Yeah. Because he's super handsome. He's wearing a magnificent sweater. And he's really disarming, while at the same time being pretty malevolent in the scene. Yeah. And yet, you can understand, like, you can understand why people would warm to this guy. Well, also, like, it, it you know, he, he turned up at the will reading, as his brother said, uh, not his brother, his uncle. Walt is his uncle. His uncle, he? yeah. Yeah. Um, as Walt said to him, you know, you were you were late for the funeral, but you're early for the the, the will reading, which in itself is a clue uh, for those mm-hmm. you know listening along. And you know, I, I think the fact that he's at the will reading when he knows he's not getting anything, <laughs> like he's only he's only there to be you know um, somebody else from the universe he was previously in Loki. He's only there to be to be to play mischief. 
to cause trouble. Yeah, yeah, and I think I don't think he knows that Marta's going to get the the money, but I think you know he maybe had an inkling that something was going to happen along those lines, and so he's kind of turning up and being like, well, if if it is you know if Marta does get a substantial piece of it, maybe he wasn't thinking she'd get everything because obviously that's you know that's what that's what they told her. Um, you know, she's now like a multi-millionaire with a, a house and a publishing you know, company. Um, <laughs> so I don't think he thought maybe she was getting all of it. Maybe he thought some of the publishing stuff would go to Walt. Maybe he thought the house might go to, you know, Linda or something like. So he's he's got an idea of maybe other people will get stuff, but he knows he's getting nothing. So he's just there for the, you know, the ride. And then when Marta kind of like gets everything, I think he seizes on his opportunity because he leaves the room a little bit earlier. And obviously, you know, he gets his car and, you know, drives her off. And so it feels like he's setting something up. And then, like, when he gets here, you know, he's already got the bowl ready. So, again, it feels like he's setting something up. So it's, He knows what he's doing. Yeah. yeah. It, it also speaks to a sharp mind that yeah. he was able to, to get to this point very, very quickly. Because, as you said, he knew he wasn't going to get anything to will. That's what his last conversation with his granddad was. Uh, or, you know, one of the main points we'll get later on find out what the other main point was but he he knows that he's not getting but when he shows up and it's all going to marta the brain ticks by very very quickly that says i'm going to take marta out i'm going to disarm marta marta and myself like i am chris evans yeah uh marta is obviously a beautiful woman so perhaps i can charm her a little bit but at the same time the trick with the bowl and the beans and sausages really mark home that yes i might be flirting with you or charming you a little bit here but i am also i'm not really on your side marta so you better tell me everything and we'll go from there i think it also calls back to when obviously you know the incident happened with harlan and he immediately had a plan ready to go Um, and those were some minutes that i actually covered previously where it seems like in his brain the novelist is like well, if this was if this was me, if I were this person, how would I, you know, how would I cover it up, you know? And so his brain thought that way. And this this kind of the way that Ransom's acting here, you know, deliberately kind of rescuing Marta, taking her to this place, making her eat food, and then putting the bowl in front of her. Again, it seems like it's meant to. I think as a viewer at this point, you're meant to be reminded of Harlan. You're meant to be like, oh, you know, he's obviously got yeah. a similar kind of, you know, he's not Walt. You know, seems a little bit dull. You know, he just does. You know, he just runs his father's publishing company. He hasn't got any original ideas of his own. You know, yeah, exactly. Linda and Richard, you know, they got a loan from Harlan so they could start a business. You know, uh, Joni's business is clearly not successful. It's basically living off Harlan's money again. Harlan's money. You yeah. know, so you're all of those people aren't like Harlan in the way that they could kind of plan stuff. And you know, whereas with with ransom i think we're meant to be led to think oh he's thinking on his feet as quickly as harlan did so it's meant to kind of remind you of him a little bit um, yeah, he's bright yes yeah um now i don't want to kind of get too much into this the kind of the stuff with the the thrombies because we're going to be covering quite a lot of that in the next couple of minutes in the next minute yeah, yeah so uh, but what i'll say is obviously they set up you know this is the question that i think is i i, I feel like with will readings there are kind of like cliches and stuff uh, and obviously ryan johnson is playing with those a little bit here because 
you know, the dramatic will reading, which even Benoit Blanc says, you know, I've been to will readings. They're not that interesting. And then obviously this will reading turns into one of those will readings where it's like, and even during the will reading, Alan is like, oh, it's just one page. And it's not, you know, like everything's fairly straightforward. Like it's not complicated, uh, which is true of most, you know, unless you go into probate, most wills are quite simple in terms of these people get this, these people get that this person gets saddled with debt that they have to pay off, whatever, like, however it's split up, it's usually very simple. And so I think the first half of, you know, the kind of second half of this minute, which is the first part of our time in this, you know, uh, this wonderful living room. We'll talk Back more about mansion, yeah. We'll talk more about it in the next one because it looks so cosy and nice, but we'll get into that. But it, it's just kind of starting to address the whole, you know, well, you know, Walt saying we have options. And Alan being like, no, you don't. <laughs> like, yeah, and that's, that's the thing about it is... Yeah. That's one of the great things about how the movie is set up because we've all heard stories about um, families fighting over wills. Like, it, like I'm in Ireland. One of the biggest news stories this year, I mean, non-COVID related, has been a family that fell apart over a plot of land. Yeah, and it it ended in tragedy. Like it, we've all seen it. But if you talk to anybody who knows what they're talking about in terms of this, they would go, "No, if the will exists." 99% of the time the will is enforced like that's that's the whole point yeah the problem arises when there isn't a will yes yeah that's when you end up with court cases and legal proceedings lasting for years but yeah if somebody of sound mind and body has put it into a will you ain't breaking that unless there's extreme circumstances unless you're Anna Nicole Smith R.I.P. Uh, in which case we all, things get we all regret and miss her <laughs> yes uh so but uh, you know her the whole thing with you know obviously she's held up as the classic kind of like gold digger changing the will at the last minute type thing um and i think that some of that is is in this film as well the the kind of the idea we'll get into it in the next minute but the idea that the will was changed because of pressure um and again that would be one way that you could overturn a will if that was true uh but of course you know linda and richard are yelling about you know would a sound person do this and you know linda's arguing that this action is unsound and he's like no legally it's not <laughs> like if somebody yeah. changes their will changing the will is not something that shows your mental capacity that in fact if you're changing your will you're possibly it shows you have yeah mental capacity. if you've made a yeah. choice to change your will in a particular way it means that you definitely have some mental capacity so you know we'll get more into that in the next few minutes darren just quickly who plays the lawyer stroke solicitor uh, it is frank oz um, yeah, I was I was thinking it was because in my head, I obviously it's not, but I'm there going. It feels like a character that was written for Richard Jenkins <laughs> because it's just it just gives such Richard Jenkins vibes. Yes, um, it is very much. It feels like uh, the the guy he played in Six Feet under is that, the, is that six the, feet under yeah. yeah you can you can yeah. picture him like wiping his brow <laughs> yeah. with little, when he's a little bit sweaty. You're just like. Oh. Yeah. He, no, we can't do that. Yeah, he was very straightforward as a character. So, or I, I mean, I think he was because obviously, uh, in most of Six Feet Under, his character is dead, and we only really <laughs> see him as the figment of people's in, imagination. So, in their imagination, he was fairly straightforward. So, um, is there anything else that needs to be said about this particular minute? Or I feel are we? I feel like we've covered everything. I like the setup of the shot when we cut back in from ransom because it it finishes with a close-up of Anna Diarmas saying just about to launch into her speech yeah and then it cuts to Joni in the middle of her sentence and it's a really well done shot because 
everything about it changes, but it does feel like a natural progression. Like what she is saying is what, because it, it becomes a complaint. Yeah. Um, which is, but, but surely there's something we can do or whatever. I can't yeah. remember the exact words that she has, but it really does feel like something that Anna Diarmas would say in that moment. And yeah. It's good. It's And it's it's from behind Frank Oz's head and we can see all the family laid out and you can see, I was going to say, you can see their relative importance to the story, but more likely you can see where they think they fit into the family importance because you have Frank Oz at the back of his head. Joni's in front of shot. Don Johnson is in front of shot. Walter's just behind Joni. The young fella is sitting on his mobile phone being <laughs> your typical internet troll probably. Yeah. And then Meg is at the back. And I think it's really well laid out because effectively we've suddenly jumped into Frank Oz representing Anna versus the family. And I think it's a, a genuinely effective filmmaking. Yeah. And Blank is off to one side for the moment. Uh, yes. But <laughs> he's not in that shot at, as we as we come in. Yeah. So uh is there anything that you wish to plug before we go? No, I'm I'm good for plugs at the minute, although I, I always recommend uh Sarah If Decker. She has been on the uh Knives Out Minute already. So her podcast Media Evil, um you'll find me on a bunch of the episodes, but I'm no longer the, the main co host just because life got in the way and stuff. But yeah, I highly recommend you listen to Media Evil and learn about medieval history and how movies and tv shows get it wrong all the time and uh you know previously i've done podcasts on very many subjects but at the moment the most recent one that i'm currently doing is called t hanks for the memory and that is about tom hanks um so as this episode goes up i think the second episode will be released at the end of this week so um you know listen to that uh, and of course follow us on twitter at knives <laughs> wait Darren, hold on a second are you going to pronounce it t hanks for the memory every time yeah i am that i is. love it I genuinely love it. <laughs> that's that's the name of the podcast. That's that's the, that's how you get the joke. Uh, so uh, thanks for being my guest today, Ollie. T. Hanks for having me, <laughs> and I'll speak to you tomorrow. Bye.